Hello, live streamers. You know, Yankee fans have been wondering, when will Hal Steinbrenner reduce his available balance? When will he renew his PayPal account and start paying people, start being the big spenders that they can be? Well, guess what? They're spending. They've brought back their biggest star, and now they've added to the pitching staff. And I am adding to the star power today because we are doing a crossover with Stacey Katsoulias of Locked On Yankees. Hold on to your hats. It's Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Lockdown MLB, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball all throughout the offseason. I am yours, Paul Francis Sullivan. You don't believe me? There's my lower third. You can call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been podcasting for the last decade and for the last four full seasons I've been here at the Locked On Podcast Network. You can follow us at Locked On MLB Pods on Twitter and on Instagram. And I'm your pal Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. I haven't figured out this Mastodon stuff yet. And hey, be sure to tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On MLB. Or check out some of the other great shows on the Locked On Podcast Network, including let's t- pick out one for, at random Locked On Yankees with Stacey Gotsoulias, who, by a complete coincidence, happens to be here in the waiting room. Boom. Oh, let me get rid of my lower third, because it looks like it's Sully and Sully here in the law firm of Sully and Sully. Stacey Gotsoulias, I'm I'm choking. I'm choking, which the Yankees did not do, because I thought they were about to have yet another whiff of an offseason when I saw that the all-you-can-eat shortstop buffet for the second straight year was going to be unsigned and Aaron judge was heading to San Francisco and blah, blah, blah. But lo and behold, they've done what you've been asking them to do. I think since as long as I've known you, um, and that is you're the Yankees act like it. How are you doing tonight? I'm uh, doing well. I did my own live show uh, about 15 minutes after the news broke. I wasn't expecting to do a show like that. I was like, I'm going to do a throwback Thursday. It's going to be like a chill night, this and that. And then John Heyman surprised the hell out of me with his tweet. He was the first person I saw who tweeted. It said, Rodone to Yankees, no misspellings. Everything was perfect. And I didn't believe it at first. Mm -hmm. Well, because he he hasn't had the best track record recently. Right. No offense. And then um, it said Rodon to Yanks 162 or 6-162. And I was like, oh, all right. Now he has numbers. So I think this is actually real. And it was really funny because the Yes Network has their hot stove show. And it had just ended (laughs) when the Rodon news broke. And they were talking on the show that they didn't think the Yankees were done. But they just weren't sure when it was going to happen. And... There you go. So yes, well, you, you and I have both. You and I have both worked in in television and worked in television studios, and you know, the minute they said and we're clear, Rodon signed, 
every producer there just flipped over the craft service table. It's like, yeah. really? You couldn't yeah. have done this 10 minutes prior? You know, well, or that something usually, like that. Usually, that happens to me during the season because there are mm-hmm. some days where, like, say I'm a little late getting the show up and I'm recording around like 2 33 o'clock, and then all of a sudden some news will come out about a player doing something or someone's injured or this. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you couldn't have said this, you know, 15 minutes ago. Like, sometimes it happens while I'm editing my show, which is even worse because it's like, well, I don't want to record over again. So it's just, yeah. I couldn't even imagine what that was like for the Yes Network. So. You were, I'm just getting a little flashback. We were going to talk about um, the Yankees signing in a second, but I got a little flashback because you and I are of an age where we remember when Waiting for Sports Center was how we found out if our team won. And yeah. that you watch, <laughs> you watch the highlights until you have that one slow motion highlight, which is the, always the last highlight is in slow motion. And, when, yeah. and the, you know, I remember the Red Sox are losing. Said, please don't be slow motion. Please don't be slow motion. Show me the home run that Mo Vaughn hit. Please be, ah, slow motion, darn it. And uh, um, well, and remember what a big deal it was when the ticker first started, and you're like, "Oh, now I can see the scores. This is so cool." Yeah. Well, the other thing that in New York would happen though, for this is how you'd get breaking news. It was on WFAN. They had the was it the um, the the twenty every twenty minutes. What was that called? Yep. Uh, yep. The, the twenty. It, yeah. It was like you know a Sweeney Murdy or. Um, uh, oh, what's it? That uh, Minko, John Minko. Minko, would, would do a, yeah, yeah. And it would, uh, for instance, now the twenty. For, the, the, what was it called? Um, the the was it twenty twenty or twenty? The 20 they call the twenty and twenty. I don't know what it was. Why would it be twenty? The uh, oh God! Oh, what was it? I mean, and I, I, to, and I like, listen to it all the time with my dad. Oh, yeah, I listen to, listen to it to religiously, it. and they said yeah. the twenty twenty with Minko. It was yeah, it was the twenty twenty with Minko. And yeah, every 20 minutes, every they would 20 do minutes. an update. Mm-hmm. And what I remembered was a lot of times, like, you know, that's where I would hear a trade for the first time. And we got breaking news. It turns out that, that, that you know, the Yankees acquired Roger Clemens for David Wells. That's when I, that's the Wells for Clemens trade I first heard on the 20 for 20 uh, break. And, uh, but that's also during the regular season, you would get updates from like, well, the the Blue Jays are defeating the Orioles. What's the score? What inning is it? You know, it's, it's, uh, I mean, we're showing our age a little bit there, but that like, Oh, oh, it's got, it's, 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 it's six nineteen. quick turn on WFAN. I got to get to find out what the, get some updates here, but yeah, now we get it instantly. Only getting your box scores and newspapers and not being able to go to a place like baseball reference to look things up. And Oh, Oh, and the, the, it was the worst when the New York times or something didn't have the late score and you're yes. trying to figure out in the, you're trying to figure out in the pennant race. Like if this team gained a game, it's as late. Oh, for God's sakes! That's yeah. I'll tell you. Though, that when we moved to California, it was startling that there were no late scores, that everything was in on time, and games mm-hmm. were over like at nine in the evening. I'm going, whoa, this is great. <laughs> this is fantastic. Yeah. Okay, uh, we're like you know back in my day, Stacey and I are will eventually be in the same retirement home at the Lockdown Retirement Home in Boca. And we'll be talking, remember when John Minko was on making the mad dog? But, all right, back to the Yankees signing. Um, I yeah. just want to focus on Rodon for a little bit now, and then we'll, we'll let's get to the the reawakening of, of Hal Steinbrenner. Um, I, I This is the move the Yankees had to make. This was, a, this yes. was one of those. It, I don't think Rodon is necessarily a Cy Young contender, but he was the best available pitcher 
to get who would not cost them young players in their system. You know, this was the best, this was the best order on the buffet. And I think that uh, there may be another pitcher who's currently a free agent who's going to wind up, you know, doing like what Robbie Ray did a few years ago. But we don't know that. And the most likely one, Rodon has been, he's had some injury issues. He had some issues. But for the last few years, he's been the most consistent pitcher who is currently available as a free agent. And the Yankees said, one, please. And uh, this is, you put him in a rotation you know, Cole may not be, you know, Cole is a good pitcher. People get on Cole. Cole's a good pitcher. Nestor Cortez is a good pitcher. When he's healthy, which, by the way, should be his legal name, Luis Severino was a good pitcher. Now you've taken some of the pressure off of some of them by knowing that worst-case scenario, Carlos Rondon is a number three starter, right. which which pitching depth-wise uh, suits this team really well. Yes. They won 99 games last year. Right. Right. We're not talking about a team that only won 82 games or something crazy like that, which the Yankees haven't done that in a really long time. Um, I'm excited about this. And I said the same thing on my show about Severino. I said, you know, if he's healthy (laughs) and when he's healthy, Luis Severino is one of the better pitchers in Major League Baseball. And, you know, I like watching him when he's healthy because he's pretty electric. And if he can stay healthy, I mean, just that four right there, Cortez, Cole, Rodon and Severino. It's just wow. I mean, and, a lot of it. If Cortez continues to pitch well, then this is a yeah. phenomenal move because now yeah, you know oh, yeah. they have they have a very deep. You're not asking Severino to be a workhorse, but right. Severino is. And I'll get. I didn't mean to step in, but Severino, I think, is he's probably the best pitcher the Yankees have developed since Andy Pettit. Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, I don't know who else. I mean, I'm not counting El Duque or someone who came as a, a fully formed, you know, like someone who actually came through their minor league system and everything like that. Who has been right. better since Andy Pettit than Luis Severino? Yeah. Yeah, it's been a really long time. Like, you know, they were um, expecting Phil Hughes to be really good, expecting Jabba Chamberlain to be really good, although they kind of screwed with Jabba and the way he, the way they had him pitch. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's been a really long time. Yeah. Well, I've, see, it's, I always felt that Hughes wound up becoming kind of almost a Ramiro Mendoza type. It's like, is he a starter or is he a reliever? What the hell is he doing? And right, because that of... was that one year where he was really good as a reliever, and then the following mm-hmm. season he was really good as a starter, and yeah. and then he just kind of fell apart. <laughs> yeah, but he got, no, Hughes gave him a couple of good years. But I think, mm-hmm. I think Severino's been better, though. I think Severino's been a top-of-the-rotation pitcher when healthy. When and exa- again, <laughs> when healthy, when healthy. <laughs> but but you get but one way. One of the reasons why I did not pick the Yankees to go to the playoffs last year, and I didn't pick the Red Sox either, was I didn't trust their their starting staff. Right. I didn't, and but no one expected Master Cortez to do what he did. Exactly, that, and I, mean... I the thing I I said on your show, I said the Yankees turned a bunch of question marks into exclamation points, and. <laughs> They have to show that Nestor Cortez isn't an Aaron Small-esque, uh, you know, fluke. That if he comes back and he's had two good years with him now, one very good year, and yeah. uh, and I think this is look at. I, I still think Toronto is going to be a very good team, um, and and you know, Tampa and Baltimore are going to be challenging. I think the Red Sox are taking uh, a, a a year off this year. 
Um, not thrilled about that, but it's the fact. They say every once in a while they're like, "Ah, we're going to stink this year." Like, there's no middle ground with this. It's like we're in last place. We're in the ALCS. We're in last place. We won the division. We're in last place. It's like there's. I, I can't remember the last time I said, "How about the Red Sox this year?" You know, but uh, but I think Toronto is still like, going to be. Though? What's that like? Because when the Yankees are bad, they're never last place bad. No, they're like I know. third place bad or just missing the playoffs bad. Like they're never bad bad. Not since nineteen ninety one. Well, okay. In fact, I want let, let's put a pause on that for a second because I think mm-hmm. I need a little energy to through this next segment here. Uh, oh, how, yes. What's the best way for me to get a quick burst of energy? Well. We're going to be getting a boost of energy from Built Bars. So what? listen to this. Okay. I'm right. very, I'm so excited about this. Okay. They have new reimagined flavors. Cookie dough topper, coconut brownie bar, and a coconut what? brownie topper. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. back up, back up. Coconut brownie bar? Yeah. Oh. Okay, keep, uh-huh. keep reading the copy. Yep. This is all okay. new to me. They have white chocolate peppermint granola, which is Bilt's take on the granola bar. So it's more filling, but still in ta- it in tastely, insanely tasty. And candy like cane brownie puff. puff. I think they have think a candy cane. Cool. Listen to me, Sully. Candy cane okay. brownie puff. That's like uh-huh. a delicious Mad Lib right there. That's fabulous. Right. Yes, puffs are really good, people. You have to go get them. First off, for anyone who hasn't tried Built Bars before, they're literally the best-tasting protein bars ever built. And when we say that, we're not just reading copy. We mean this. We, we, we eat them. We actually like them. We have conversations in our host DM on Twitter about how good Built Bars are. They're revolutionizing nutrition as we know it with 100% real chocolate, 17 grams of protein, and shockingly low sugar and calories. Bars are only 130 calories. So sink your teeth in with that first bite and it'll change your life forever. Yeah. It really will. And the magical, wonderful time afterwards, after you try a Bilt Bar, your life will never be the same. So get 15% off your order right now by using code LOCKEDON15 at Bilt.com. Again, that is LOCKEDON15 at Bilt.com to try these amazing new flavors. I, after we stop recording this, am going to order the Candy Cane Brownie Puff because that sounds really good. By the way, I'm sorry I stepped on your 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 reading there, but <laughs> Stacy's Stacy's speaking the truth. If you if you looked in our the 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 locked on hosts, we all we all go to the Hall of Justice and we talk we talk this through, and you won't believe how many times the built bars come up in conversation. It it honestly does. I'm like, have you tried this one? Have you tried this one? It's like, yeah. <laughs> and uh, honest to goodness, and, it, and when I see that little, we get built bars. I don't want to brag. But we get built bars, and when you, you when you see that little box show up when you open them I up, get so that, excited! Here we go! Yeah, here we go! Yeah, um, it's like Christmas. What are I, we gonna get? <laughs> okay, where was Stacy Gatsoulias, the person who dragged me into the lockdown podcasting world a few years ago, and we were doing a crossover here. You brought up something I kind of wanted to. Bring, I wasn't sure if it was going to come up, and, and 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 you brought it up, so I said, okay, here we go. You asked hmm. me about the sort of the the roller coaster that there have been 
World Series appearances and ALCS appearances mixed in with last place. And Michael Kay on Twitter was responding to some Red Sox fan on Twitter. I, I, I'm not going to badmouth Michael Kay. I actually like his show. And I don't think he's a bad announcer at all. I, I It was weird listening to him call the Cardinals-Phillies playoff game and give yeah, a see ya really to, like, I think it was may have been Yadi or Molino. See ya. Like, well, that's not but, – but, okay, but fine. I, I, I enjoy Michael Kay, and I used to call his show when I lived in New York. Um, but he said something. It was like a Red Sox fan was reminding, like, you know, where are your titles since 2009, blah, blah. You know, this sort of trash talking, which I don't engage in. Um, unless it's you and I having a private conversation. Um, um, And then he said, yeah, but we don't have to have, we Yankee fans don't have to have those last place finishes. Mm. And I thought, and I thought to myself, that's not really a dig. That's not really a dig to me because Mm. I would rather have a few last place finishes and a few world series titles than have be consistently in the playoffs but not even playing in the World Series. To me, though the world like the worst, the single worst year I've ever had as a Red Sox fan, and it's not even close. I mean, second place is far away. Is twenty twelve. I was gonna 2012 say twenty twelve was coming right off of the collapse, the the beer and and, and chicken. You know, chicken. <laughs> At least that year was an entertaining year that had a right. spectacular deer hunter-esque flame out at the end but i almost got a spit take from stacy godslewis that would have been the most proud <laughs> moment of my life but then 2012 which was coming off the heels of that terrible finish was the bobby yeah. valentine year the team was completely unlikable they they did everything wrong uh they were not competitive they didn't look like they cared they they bungled the death of johnny pesky and it just was I remember there was one night the Yankees were playing the Red Sox and Oakland was playing either Anaheim or Texas. And I was watching the Oakland game yeah, because I thought, why would I watch this other team? And the only good thing that came about that year was the, the dumping the players to Los Angeles, Adrian Gonzalez and Josh Beckett, that they were able to say that I knew when that happened, it was them basically saying, we acknowledge this year stinks, but there was no joy in that year. None. I was at Beckett's last start against the Yankees when Ichiro hit two home runs off him, which, by the way, (laughs) Ichiro (laughs) hitting two home runs? Like, what? It was a Sunday night game right before that trade happened. It was the Sunday before the trade happened in late August. And uh, I think the highlight that year was that um, the game in April when they dressed up in their 1912 uniforms against, and the, the, the Yankees actually wore 1912 uniforms at Fenway. And that was like a really cool thing to yeah. see both teams do. Um, but I then, think that was but, the same, that was the same series where the Red Sox took a nine, nothing lead. I just was going to say that then the next yeah. day, Saturday, <laughs> when Phil Humber was throwing a no hitter for the White Sox against, was against Seattle or a perfect game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Yankees mounted a comeback that we could barely see because they went over to the perfect game and we're like, hello, we're missing the Yankees coming back. Two things I remember about that day. I said it was amazing. On one day you saw a perfect game and the furthest thing from a perfect game on the same day happening concurrently. 
And I remember right. I tweeted out something like the last time I saw a train wreck like this, Rich, Dr. Richard Kimball was running away from a one-armed man. It was just yeah. the, for those of you who haven't seen The Fugitive, The Fugitive opens with a gigantic train wreck, which was not as bad as the Red Sox that day. That, that, there was no joy that year. No. The next year was 2013, a much better year to be a Red Sox fan. Mm-hmm. And the year afterwards, the Red Sox finished in last place. So it was sandwiched between that title was sandwiched between two Did last they? place finishes. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah, had a bad 20, is, 2014 is kind of blurry. 2014, neither the Red Sox yeah. nor the Yankees made the playoffs in 2014. Well, no, I remember you're that, welcome. The Yankees didn't, the Yankees didn't make you're, it 13, 14, 16, but I couldn't, you know, 2014 is, Especially the end of that season, I don't really remember much of anything because my dad was yeah. sick and then he passed away right at the beginning of October. So everything's kind of like, I don't even. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I know well, about 2014 is I was writing for ESPN and I predicted that the Yankees were going to be 84 and 78. Yeah. And they finished and 84 right? and 78. <laughs> And I got angry comments from, but how dare you? How dare you say that they're going to finish 84 and 78? And when they finished it on the nose, I thought to myself, should I play the lottery? Like, uh, how did I do that? Yeah. Well, I, and let me say that the terrible 2012 made 2013 all the better. Right. And I think like they... They, you know, they went on that run where they won three straight division titles, probably with a lot of shenanigans in 2016, 2017, 2018. They finished in last place on the COVID year, made it back to the ALCS, were in last place last year. Yeah. I think that having having those sort of retreat years can they were sometimes... They in last place in the COVID year? Yeah. They finished behind yeah. the Orioles? Really? I think so. I think so. I knew they were bad. Either way, my point is those last place finishes gets wiped away by the goodness. And it also right. kind of like it, it, it sort of cleans out the there, – there's sometimes something relaxing about, oh, man, we stink this year. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, what's like, the- I was relieved and- when the Yankees were missed. Like, you know, because we had so many years where the Yankees kept making the playoffs, but like losing in the first round, you know, yeah. not making it past a certain point. And the I midges. Was- I was relaxed in 2008. I was like, this yeah. is amazing. I'm going to have an October where I don't wake up with playoff zits. I'm going to be relaxed. I can watch other teams do things and I don't have to worry about it. And not that it was a last place finish, but it was the first time in a while that the Yankees hadn't made the playoffs. And then Hal went ham and bought everyone in <laughs> the offseason 08 to 09. Right. And then we saw what happened in 09. So I'm kind of, I right. said it on my show. I think the humiliation of being swept out of the playoffs by the Astros, although Aaron Boone has something to do with it because two of those games were winnable, but let's not start that again. Um, I think that really, that did something to Hal. And I also think in the back of his mind, the people booing him when they were honoring Jeter at the stadium, he's like, I don't want to deal with that again because you can tell Hal gets affected by stuff like that. He's not like his dad. He's different and I swear, if the Yankees lost to the Astros in like a game six, you know, like how 2019 was or. Which I thought they were going to. I didn't think they were going to be swept. I thought they were going to win a couple of those. I really think being swept helped this offseason go the way it's going. 
I think it would have been different if they had made it further into the playoffs. They would have re-signed Judge, but I feel like maybe not going after Rodone. I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like the sweep was a blessing in disguise at the time. So we'll see. But to to put a button on the thing I was bringing up, um, sometimes having, you know, and, and, and it's not the same. Losing the ALCS is not the same as finishing last place. But every right. once in a while, having that moment to reset, I think, is can be a positive thing. For mm-hmm. it sort of, it, it makes you first of all, it makes it sweeter. Um, but you need to have those, you know, those moments when your team wins at all become the moments that you remember forever. Two thousand right. is going to be remembered as a beloved Yankee team. Two thousand two was a much better team than two thousand. They were so you much know, better two, than two thousand. <laughs> 2006, the year they lost to Detroit, was so yeah. much better than 2000. So yeah. much better. Yeah. And yet, you need to, have, you know, but 2000 is going to be remembered as, you know, we may, we were just mentioning 2014. The Giants won the World Series in 2014. The, uh, they won, I think, 87 games that year. They were the visiting team in the wild card game. When they right. lost to Los Angeles in 2021, they had won 107 games that year. Which team do you think Giant fans are going to love more? Right. The the 2014 Madison Bumgarner year or the team where the, they got the called third strike against them? You know, right. that was, or the check the check swing from her around the world. Uh, yeah. By the way, do you know who the, who the pitcher on the mound for the Dodgers was who got that check swing to end it? Do you remember who it was? Oh, and I was watching it too. Who was it? Max Scherzer. Oh. Remember Max Scherzer was a Dodger for an hour and a half? That's There's right. a whole bunch of Hall of Famers who were Dodgers for an hour and a half. Like That's you right. know, Scherzer and Pujols will be on that. Ricky Henderson, Jim Tomei, yeah. Greg Maddox. There's a whole bunch of, they were Dodgers. Not only that, but played in the playoffs with them. Um, yeah. Actually, Ricky Henderson did. But anyway. Um, I was going to say, I'm like, wait, point. I don't recall that happening. Yet. No, but I do. But Jim Tomei was a pinch hitter for one of Joe Torre's Dodger teams, which was weird. wow. Yeah. 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 That was a weird one. Um, but anyway, um, but the point is this, and I had one. The point is this, that you need to have those moments of resetting. And it, yeah, they finished in the last those years, but it's, it, it's washed away mm-hmm. by the goodness. And, also, you need those years. Like I remember, like the first time you heard about Betts and Benatendi and everyone coming up through the system was during some of those lean years. And so, like, oh, they're coming, they're coming. The new group is coming, and uh, you know that could be fun too. Mm-hmm. So, well, look at um, we got some more stuff to cover regarding uh, this Yankee offseason and the reawakening of Hal Steimer. But first, you're hanging out with some friends. And putting back a few drinks and a few become too many. As the evening comes to an end, people start to head out. You think about calling for a ride, but now nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that can happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You could lose your job. You could total your car. Or you could kill someone. Everybody knows the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and sometimes deadly. However, that doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads. 
They're doing it to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drink, you know, drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe, plan ahead, get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. We are doing a Locked On MLB, Locked On Yankees crossover. Hey, a friend of the podcast, uh, Jeff Cohen of the Baseball and Barbecue podcast, rabid Nets fan, uh, tweeted at me before I knew you were on the show, okay, and said, can you ask Stacey Gotsoulias why Yankee fans in New York are more concerned about the Mets than the Yankees? You should hear the trash talk going on here. Now, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's happening with Jeff. He's he's inevitably getting some some stuff from from the Yankee fans, but uh, you don't strike me as someone who obsesses much about the Mets. You you seem very focused on, you know, uh, on aiming for another title in the Bronx. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that also, <laughs> but I think what the Mets have done has also kind of lit a fire under Hal's rear end. Um, yeah, I, you know, I was actually saying good for the Mets, like good for you for having an owner who's like, I don't, luxury tax, who cares? I'm a billionaire. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. All owners should be like that, but he's like that. He doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. Tax me. I don't, give me, find me, tax me. I don't care. I'm going to go out and spend as much money as I possibly can to make this team better. And that's so much better for Met fans after the Wilpons, what they put them through. So, I think New York is better when both teams are good. I agree. Well, I I, I had the great fortune of being there in the late 90s, early 2000s, when both the Mets and the Yankees were good, and they were so different. The personalities of the two teams felt so different. And I know you were thrilled that that World Series only went five games. I really wanted to see what a Game 7 you know, Mets Yankees would have felt like there's just the two fan bases were just so the fan bases were different. Of course, the Yankees were coming at that time had just won three out of the last four world series, but there was the, the Mets had, there was a great personality. Uh, There was a looseness with that Mets team that was, you know, that, that seemed to be fun. But of course the Yankees, you knew you were watching the best Yankee team since Casey Stengel was the manager. And, uh, the, the the uniforms were different. The stadiums felt different. The fan bases felt different. It was magical. And I'll say it. And this is I was coming as someone who was hoping that Pedro and Nomar would lead us to the promised land. But there was no way around the fact to say that it was so magical that this, those years when there was always a reason to go to a baseball game. Always yeah. a reason. You know. I had – I got my season tickets in 99 – and I went to my first Subway Series, you know, regular season Subway Series game in 97 or 98 at Shea. 97 was the first yeah, Ninety seven was the first year they were doing it where it wasn't like the, the Mayor's Cup. It was like an actual right, game. Right. And it was an experience. And then when I got my season tickets with the Yankees, I always Sunday night Mets game. <laughs> Like, I always had it in the package. It was great. I mean, not that great when I wasn't living in the city. But even when I was living in the city, I still got home really late, even though I only lived two miles away from the stadium. Um, And those games were electric. And I say it all the time. 
I kind of wish we could have a break from the Subway series because it just feels so overdone. But now, no, not with the way the two teams are constructed now. It's like, you know, bring on the bring on the Subway series. I want it back up to six games again. I want like full weekend series. Like forget this two game crap that they do now. No, let's do yeah. full threes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By the way, uh, Donovan Burrell is one of our frequent listeners and commenters, and he's posted this on the feed. Hey, guys, I'm so excited about Carlos Rodon signing with the Yankees. Well, that makes two of you. Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't say two of us. That I'm just excited you. that, you know, like I said, Hal is getting stuff done and Cashman's getting stuff done and I don't have to yell at them. You know, I said I yeah. joked on my show last week that if Brian Cashman were able to trade Aaron Hicks for a living, breathing human, I wouldn't say anything bad about him for a full 365 days. But I feel like I can do that now with the Rodon <laughs> signing. Yeah. I mean, the bonus would be if he could somehow move Hicks and maybe Donaldson, but that might be an impossibility. Um, yeah. But either one of those two, I might bump it up to two full years of not saying anything bad about Brian Cashman. <laughs> All right, well, um, by the way, Chase Pierce said something which I really don't agree with. Um, I, I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't agree with it at all, but uh, I think you might. He wrote, uh, let's go Yankees. Um, yeah. So there you go. There you go. You and Jace can go have fun. Um, yeah, I mean, this is what they need to do. And this is when last year, I know you were, I mean, I listened to your show all the time, and you were just going ape about, like, we need a shortstop. There's... Seeger, there's Baez, there's Correa. It was like, who? There's Trevor Story. There's like, all these people. Like, what, what's going? Why? And then you know, the they they make the dumb deal, bringing in Connor Falefa and Donaldson that allowed the Twins to bring in Correa, um, which I know nearly had you end locked on Yankees. You just nearly just said like, I'm done. <laughs> I, you know, I'm throwing this into the Atlantic Ocean. I can't do this anymore. Um, and I was really thinking when I saw, you know, like once again, all these shortstops are finding homes. Um, there's still, uh, what's his name from, uh, um, Dansby Swanson is still available. He's still the biggest fish out there. I still, I mean, look at, I'll, I'll, I'm going to maintain this. The player who I thought the Yankees should have signed because he was the right age. It's a good shortstop has postseason pedigree, has a swing that would have been perfect in Yankee Stadium. They should have signed Corey Seager. He was, yeah. to me, he was the person that was forged in a in a, um, in a foundry with Yankee Stadium in mind when they made <laughs> him and to yeah. just put him right there. And when they, I, I was like, what's the issue? This guy, I mean, he the Yankee fans would have loved him and he would have played well and he had the right swing. And do you want if one of these other guys like, you know, Peraza or whoever comes up, he could move to second. He could move to first. He could move to, th you know, you could find another place to put him. That's one right. of these things that drive me crazy. Like, well, you know, they got these great guys in the minor leagues. Great. But then they got kind of Falefa. Um, I do not think the Yankees are signing Dansby Swanson. No. I think the Dodgers, Orioles, Red Sox, Cubs, they all have glaring needs at shortstop. Red Sox less so because they could move story there and they have other fish to fry. But yeah. I don't think the Yankees are going to do that. And I think this whole you and Javi um, 
Reyes talked about the the absolute smokescreen of the Fernando Tatis trade because yeah that'd be smart for the Padres to trade him when his value is at its absolute lowest. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, good luck. That'd be smart. But uh, yeah. um, are they going to just stick with you know Peraza and Volpe and some combination of him with Ikiner Falefa? Um, or or will they will they actually do something? I I don't know. Um... It really angered me that in the playoffs, they take Kiner Falefa out because he messed up enough to cost a game, and then they put him back in against the Astros. And it's like, what are you doing? Keep Peraza in there. Peraza was great. Was he a world leader? No. But he was a kid who came up in September and was like not showing any pressure of being a kid and being in the playoffs and, you know, wilting under pressure. I don't know what they were thinking. Then, you know, they give Falefa the $6 million deal, which doesn't mean anything. I mean, he could still ride the bench. Hal said during the hot stove show last month, the end of last month, that he expects Volpe and Peraza to be at spring training to fight for possibly a place on the big team um, I would prefer one of those two. I really would. I don't want to see yeah. Isaiah Kiner Falefa anywhere near shortstop unless the team I is mean, up by like 20 runs <laughs> and you know, they just put him in for kicks, but no, I, I can't do another year of him at shortstop. I really can't or else I'm just going to be ranting on my show all the time. And you know, that's not, I mean, it, it's fun for some people. Some people like when I rant, I know you do. Um, but I, I would like to be happy. I don't want to have to be complaining about Isaiah Kiner-Falefa because he seems like a good dude. He just can't play shortstop. And yeah. the Yankees need to I'm stop I'm a good dude. I can't play shortstop either. Um, right. I mean, by the way, you know, you, we all you, have our you shortcomings. Po- <laughs> you posted something on Twitter that made me laugh. There was like some, like, I don't know if it's from Yankee social media or maybe some sites that said, what should Kiner-Falefa's role on the 2023 Yankees be? And do you remember what you wrote? No, because I, I, I can you, remember 1983, what, but I can't remember anything from yeah. like more than two hours ago. We're, we're gonna be in that. We're gonna be in that retirement home, you and me. Um, <laughs> you said, "What should Isaiah Connor role in 2023 Yankees should be?" And you said, "Mascot." Oh yes, oh yes, that's right. I forgot that, I did that. That made me laugh. That made me laugh. By the way, Sorry. an example of you know of where the Yankees could have gone in 2013. A team won the World Series, and at one point they sat their veteran, so a young shortstop they brought up from the farm could start every day, mm-hmm. and that was Xander Bogarts. Now there they had uh, Middlebrooks at third and Stephen Drew at short, and yet they found Bogarts started virtually every game. He did some at short. They did move him over to third base. Uh, and Middlebrooks wound up um, tripping over Alan Craig or whatever happened in that one game of the World Series. But um, I was thinking about Bogarts during the playoffs last year when the Yankees had a young player who so clearly was a better option than than Connor Falefa at that point. At that point, you don't you know play around with, oh, this person has this experience, we've got to arrest this player. No, this person's playing better. But yeah. I think it came. I think it also came to a much stronger philosophical point, and this is where, you know, 
if Boone is taking orders from Cashman, then Cashman has to give him better orders. If Boone's writing stuff on his own, then he has to do this better for the Yankees. He has to be consistent. And that's yeah. one thing we found out with the Phillies and what happened with them is Joe Girardi was like every day, sometimes changing the lineup mid-game. You know, that right. you you saw once they figured out you're batting second, you're batting third, you're the shortstop, this is your role on the team. Mm-hmm. I think that will go a long way for the Yankees, who every day it was a different leadoff hitter, it was a different infielder, it was a different configuration. Until you're Judge here, was until Judge you. was chasing the home run record and then he was pretty well, much yeah, consistently. But, but, <laughs> yeah, but yes, yes, to be fair. But like for most of the season it, it was you know the story of Billy Martin picking the the names out of a hat, and that was the that was the way he he made his lineup. It seemed like okay, Aaron Boone, where's the hat you're pulling some of these out of? Yeah, yeah, and the whole constantly defending IKF, saying he was a good shortstop. He wasn't. He was not. The numbers but one thing didn't they say did either. One thing they did do better last year than they did the year before, and I think it added to the the fact that they won a division title uh, last year. They're like, which is like, they're only their second in the last bunch of years. Was Boone didn't punt the third game of a series all the time throughout the last that. couple I, of years? I, yep. <laughs> if they I won the first two show. games, <laughs> yeah, I know you did, but, but like I started noticing that too. Like I remember mm-hmm. there was one game in twenty twenty one when they, they beat the tar out of Seattle. And then the final game, I think I started at third. I can't remember. Like yeah. It was such a lousy lineup. It was like, you know, the 14th caller, WFAN, was going to come out and pitch two winnings. It was yeah, like- he did that way too much, way too much in 2021. It was really frustrating. And I did notice that difference in yeah. 2022. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this is actually... Go for the kill noticeable like you're not actually punting the third game of a series because that was always my oh god they won the first two here we go here comes the c lineup and when that wasn't happening i couldn't believe it all right well um hey get over here man get over here so you know the the show is is winding down when uh uh my son is coming over to get the laundry that's here say hi say hi to everyone at locked on mlb land Right there. I think this might be your first. Is this your first appearance on the Lockdown MLB podcast? I don't know. All right. There you go. That's my son, Aiden Sullivan. Say hi to everyone. He's got a Super Mario Brothers shirt on. I don't think we violated uh, copyright purposes. All right. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, Bring your stuff up over there and leave my towels there. All right. You know we've got to the end of the podcast. We're talking about how we're going to be sorting the laundry here at the luxurious Lockdown MLB studios in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. Stacey Gotsoulias you're probably really happy because the Yankees are the defending American League East champions, and they look like they're going to put up quite a defense in 2023. Yeah, they still have some things to do, but so far so good. You know, 10 days before Christmas, Yankee fans got a really good Christmas present with Carlos Rodon. Yep, and Judge, who if they had lost Judge... You know, they're all that these wasn't happening. He's going to go to Stanford. Yeah, I never really there – was, there was only one day I thought, could it happen? Could it yeah. happen? But I never really thought it was because uh, the Yankees couldn't afford to lose Judge. That would have been the Jenga piece that the whole team collapsed. Oh, but yeah. also, Judge couldn't really lose the Yankees. Because right. he had no uh, – he has no goodwill in the bank for any other team. 
And, you know, if he breaks down, which I don't think he will, I don't think this is a Pablo Sandoval situation, but I, you know, there will be some bad years towards the end of which I always have to put the caveat. Yeah, but you got MVP quality judge for $500,000 early in his career. So you're actually, (laughs) it's actually paying back some of that stuff too. People always yeah. frame whether or not a contract is good or bad based upon how it affects the owners, not based upon whether or not it's a good or bad contract. Anyway, um, Stace Katsoulias, we've been talking for a while here, and this is the second we podcast have. you've done today. Uh, tell yes. people where they can listen to your fabulous show. They can listen to me on every podcasting platform available. You can watch me on YouTube. We just passed 1,600 subscribers on YouTube. Nice. Pretty exciting. And uh, yeah, so I did a live show about Carlos Rodon, did a second live show about Carlos Rodon, and then tomorrow's show, I'll tell you what it's going to be about. We're talking about Steve Cohen and Hal Steinbrenner spending a whole lot of money this year. Well, look, at it. it's, uh, it's been great having you on. I'm glad you were able to, to jump on board. Uh, thanks so much for making Locked On MLB. Your first listen. For your second listen, obviously make it Locked On Yankees. But for your third listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. It's available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get podcasts. Talking about the big spending Yankees, who I will quote a certain podcaster named Stacey Gatsoulias, who said, you're the Yankees, act like it. We're here with Stacey Gatsoulias of Locked On Yankees. I'm Paul Francis Sullivan of Locked On MLB. This has been a fun crossover. Feel free to call me Sully.